Today, as I mentioned last week, um, we are going to be beginning a short series at the 10.30 service on uh, John's Gospel, um, and it's going to be focusing for a few weeks on some of the people that Jesus met, encounters uh, with Jesus. And this is supported by a good book company, Bible Study, um, and I think some of the groups will be following that, and if you need group leaders, one of those books, I have got some, I think I have one or two still left, but we can get a couple more for you as leaders. Um, but uh, we're talking about, uh, we're looking at encounters with Jesus with different people um, and how when they met Jesus, when they encountered Jesus, their lives were changed. And when we encounter Jesus, our lives are changed. They cannot but be changed. Nobody, I believe, could meet Jesus and not have a life that is changed. And then after Nicodemus, who we look at today, we'll be encountering Jesus with the Samaritan woman, Jesus encountering the crowd, Jesus with the man born blind, Jesus and the grieving family, Jesus and Pilate, and then finishing this series with Jesus and Thomas. Do you know, stating the obvious, I know, but you only really get to know someone when you spend time with them, when you have a conversation together. And it was great in the All Age Time last week having a little bit of conversation, starting of conversations um, in the church service during that section. And I hope those conversations developed. Relationships start with spending a little bit of time with someone, and they grow the more we spend time with that person. Many of you will have heard me say, and if you haven't heard me say it, you will hear me say it. It's all about relationship, 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 relationship. The great German writer Goethe said, if you want people to be glad to meet you, you must be glad to meet them and show it. Again, statement of the obvious, but wow, when you hear it said, yeah. How's the world going to go round with joy and grace and peace? With relationship, if you want people to be glad to meet you, you must be glad to meet them and show it. Do something about it. And this is also at the heart of our vision as a Christian community here at St. Matthew's. To be deeply and faithfully following the way of Jesus Christ. Welcoming people. Not just a superficial welcome of a one-off comment, but going much deeper in the relationship we build with each other and those who come to this church. Welcoming people and being a vibrant community that then, because of our welcome, actually is representative of all ages and stages. And everyone, from wherever people come, feel welcomed into this place. And a church that wants to serve its community, build relationship actively all the time with its community. Again, not just once in a blue moon, but regularly deepening that relationship as a parish church that is here to serve our local community as well as the communities in which we live on the front line of our lives. If you want people to be glad to meet them, you must be glad to meet them and show it. So I invite you for a moment to think, what would it be like for you to have a personal conversation with Jesus? I'm going to invite you maybe just to close your eyes and sit quietly just for a few seconds and to imagine as you do so, Jesus sitting next to you.
What would you say to Jesus if he was sitting next to you now? And the Bible says when two or three are gathered together in his name, then he is with us. So Jesus is present with us this morning. What would you say to Jesus? And what would he say to you? I invite you to hold those thoughts, those prayers, and maybe to take that moment back to your homes later on and to sit quietly with Jesus and begin that conversation or continue the conversation that has begun this morning. We are here to encounter Jesus, and this short series is going to help encourage us with those different encounters. So, back to our theme for this morning. And just briefly looking at John's Gospel. The author of this Gospel is John the Apostle, the Apostle who was the son of Zebedee, and he was the brother of James. And it was probably written around about AD 85 to 90. So not very long after Jesus at all. Probably written after the destruction of Jerusalem and before John's exile onto the Isle of Patmos. And the main purpose of John's Gospel is to prove absolutely conclusively that Jesus is the Son of God and that all who believe in him will have eternal life. And as you read through John's Gospel, that theme will come more and more to the fore. Jesus is the Son of God and all who believe in him will have eternal life. And John would have been writing this to new Christians and also those who were searching, searching non-Christians, those seeking the answers to the great questions of life and faith and God in their lives. Genesis 2 tells us that God breathed life into people, but things went wrong, and sin, which is not a very popular concept these days, sin entered the world, Genesis chapter 3. If we want to know God and live as he intended, in a right relationship with him, then you and I need to be renewed. We need to be made holy, day after day after day. And Rachel mentioned at the beginning of the service the theme of rebirth that is in this service. And it's right, of course, at the heart of our reading this morning. And the theme of rebirth and recreation runs through the whole of the New Testament, not just John's Gospel. I'm going to read out a few scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Then Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Then Titus chapter 3, verse 5. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of, the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit 
whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. And then Peter chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. And key to this passage, this encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus that we read of today, is this theme of new birth and new life, which runs throughout Scripture. It is key to this conversation between Nicodemus and how Nicodemus approaches the whole question of faith. Now, Nicodemus was a very educated man. It says here he was a Pharisee. He knew his scriptures really well. And he would have thought about them a huge amount. Interesting, there's so much here when you go back to reflect on it to get into. We haven't got time today. But he went to see Jesus at night. Why did he go at night? Was he worried about what people would say? Here he was trying to discover more about God. Do we sometimes hide our light under a bushel, so to speak, when we think about Jesus? Do we cover our love of Jesus in the darkness around us because we don't want too many people to know about it? Nicodemus went to see Jesus at night. And uh, he did, though, show huge respect for Jesus in the way he addressed him. And he'd also been thinking hard and he'd been watching Jesus and all the encounters and things that have been happening. But for Nicodemus, it is a faith and believing that all comes down to being amazed about the things he has seen. He talks about the signs, doesn't he? You must be a great man of God, Rabbi, because of the signs you have been doing. The things that I have seen. Nicodemus is impressed by those signs. And he even sees them as being some kind of of proof. If there's the sign, then that must be that God is who he says he is. Seeing is believing, says Nicodemus. Well, yes, to a point. Yes, to a point. Because there's so, so much more, isn't there, about having faith in someone than just seeing something. (coughs) This approach to faith is based on the lawyer-type approach of weighing up the physical evidence, all the signs, and then drawing a logical conclusion. You can see it, can't you? The rationale of the lawyer in court. This is the evidence, my lad. And so, very sane conclusions from the evidence And it's something that you and I try to do all the time. We try and rationalise everything because we want to see and know the exact evidence for absolutely everything so we can justify it, we can manage it, we can perhaps seek to control our lives and others. Nicodemus perhaps is like the curious but cautious person who approaches faith in God in a way that brings little commitment, little risk, gently does it, carefully. We're human, of course we are. 
And so we, we have to approach everything and make decisions about everything based on our human understanding. There's nothing wrong with our humanity. In fact, it is to be celebrated. Jesus became human, one of us. God came to earth to be alongside us in the person of the man Jesus. And in our humanity, decisions can feel very risky from our human perspective if we end up diverging, moving away from our own understanding. But of course, what is that? With Jesus, that is a move away from just depending on our humanity to relying more on the divinity and holiness of God. We can begin to move away from just having to have facts to faith and trust in a person. Nicodemus puts it all the wrong way around. Because something rather more than fascination with signs and human rationalising is needed if we're really going to know God personally and truly. His problem is that he lives in the dimension of what it says in the Bible here, of the flesh, as Jesus says. He's living in the dimension alone of human existence has, has lived from its own perspective, in its own way and according to its own norms. But we don't have to do that, do we? The answer is not, well, I'm human, so that's it. There's so, so much more to this. When we encounter Jesus Christ as a living Lord, the divine comes into our lives and completely transforms our lives beyond just our own humanity. On our own, it is just an existence without the divine, without the spirit of God, without the supernatural, and without that personal relationship of faith in Jesus. Nicodemus represents, if you like, religion without God, which is dry of the life-giving power and presence of the Holy Spirit, which transforms absolutely everything about the perspectives of how you and I look at life and understand life and people and relationships and God. We are completely transformed with God. Where the Spirit of God blows, it is a world that is vulnerable to God's grace. Where the Spirit of God blows, it is a world that is confident of faith in God. Things sometimes that we cannot see and understand. Where the Spirit of God blows, it is a world that is open to the love of God and ready to share the good news of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. But, Jesus says in John 3, the human world cannot give birth to the God world. We cannot be the drivers of this. It won't work if we try to drive and control everything. Flesh cannot give birth to the Spirit of God and what can happen through knowing the Spirit of God in our lives. God is always the one who drives everything. God is always the one who takes the initiative. Do you know, sometimes I feel that I'm taking the initiative all the time. Why have I got to do this, that and the other? As if my control and my direction of life would be the one thing that changes it all. God is the one who takes the initiative for us all the time. 
Flesh cannot give birth to the Spirit. However much knowledge Nicodemus has, his knowledge alone can't give rise to the Spirit of God in his life. And this is what Jesus explains to Nicodemus. Jesus says to everybody, you must be born again, verses 3 and verses 7 of our reading this morning. He says, you must be born again. And only when you are born again will that inner restlessness that seeks a better world and a fuller life, only then will that be satisfied when you are born again. This is the moment of new birth, of new life, of new hope, and then the ongoing daily transformation of the Spirit of God in your life all the time. God takes the initiative. We just have to accept what he offers and accept that new birth. Richard, I think, mentioned over Christmas that great reading from Revelation 3. Do you remember that? God takes the initiative. I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. You just have to open it and we can be born again. And verse 4, Nicodemus, of course, wanted to know how because he immediately went to his human rationalising when this happened, didn't he? Whoa, I've been born once already, physically, by my mum. This can't happen again. Being born again, verses 7 and 8, is different though here, isn't it? It is all about receiving that new life that God offers and becoming one of his adopted children. It's all about living in a close relationship with him through faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's all about having our minds, our hearts and our will renewed by God in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's all about being armed and prepared for the future and forgiven for the past. This new birth that Jesus talks to Nicodemus about here means that we are born into a new family, God's family. And it's the new birth that John the Baptist speaks about in chapter 1. Baptism with water, yes, that first sign of our membership of God's family to signify that moment of new birth. But it's also baptism of the Holy Spirit. Water and the Spirit we are baptised by, says Jesus to Nicodemus. We are born through the waters of baptism into the new family of God then we are born again through the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, which bubbles up in us each and every day. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, put it like this when he referred to his own moment of rebirth, his baptism, and then his following of the new life of the Spirit every day of his life. He said, I remember it as if it was but yesterday, the rolling away from my heart of the guilty burden, And then the going forth to serve my God and my generation from that hour onwards every day. New birth is a work of God's grace. You and I cannot force new birth as we pray and as we witness to others. New birth involves people having faith. And it involves an openness through faith to the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit of God. And this is when the transformation of our thinking and our living really takes off. When we no longer, like Nicodemus was striving to do, 
give preference to our human rationalizing all the time. When we surrender to the divine, to the supernatural, to the leading of the Holy Spirit, our new life in the Spirit guides us first, and then the rest follows. The Church of Christ, the family of God, and we are a family of God here at St. Matthew's, is called to faith that embraces commitment to the one whose death reveals the things of heaven, the divine. An openness to the uncontrollable wind of the Spirit that Jesus talks about to Nicodemus here. The wind of the Spirit that blows wherever it pleases. Not where you or I might want to direct it, but wherever it pleases. And as I say to myself, I say to you at the beginning of this new year, are we ready to join in freshly with the winds of the Spirit, blowing where they will for the year ahead in our lives personally and corporately as a church? I'm hugely thankful to God for the past year at St. Matthew's. Things often don't happen as we plan and expect. This can feel both exciting and perhaps to the more humanly organised mind, a bit like mine sometimes, rather challenging. But the wind of the Spirit is blowing. And this is not something we can prescribe all the time or control. And when we get to our intercessions in a few moments, I'm going to give us some space and time to think about the past year, to remember and to give thanks for all that has happened at St. Matt's, both the expected and the things that we plan for, but also the unexpected and the things of the Spirit that we didn't realise were going to cross our paths, and for anything else that God places on your hearts. We start with recognising that the wind of the Spirit is blowing through this church and the Church of Christ throughout the world. And we give thanks to God for all that he is doing and all that he blesses us with. And then we open our lives to the winds of the Spirit to guide us and to show us the way and to blow us in his direction and to new birth of the Holy Spirit bubbling up in you and me each and every day. If you haven't yet been baptised and would like to know more, please do speak to Gabby, me or Richard. That is the first important step of becoming a part of God's family. And then asking Jesus to come into your life through the power of the Holy Spirit is the second ongoing part of this baptism of flesh and the Spirit that we all want to know. Please do speak to us again afterwards because we want that Spirit to be bubbling up in each one of our lives every single day as children of God and as a church family. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who shall, I go, who shall go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. I really hope and pray that when Nicodemus finished his encounter with Jesus, he'd move from the rational to the divine, and he opened his heart and his life completely up to the Holy Spirit of God and said to Jesus, Send me, here I am. Amen.